All right, we're here uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Special episode, wild card episode of the Purple Moose Podcast. My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm here with somebody who has been on the podcast before. <laughs> I'm not here with my brother today. I'm here with Sean Bell, the creator of our logo, one of my best friends. Uh, Sean, why don't you give a big shout out? To, how are you feeling right now? Super good. Uh, really appreciate you having me on, stuff like that. Uh, really excited to be here. I think it's probably uh, about time for my annual uh, podcast kind of uh, kind of guest series. So I'm really excited to talk today about uh, kind of all these teams you have in mind. It's, yeah. uh, it's quite the shakedown in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're still... Realistically, we're still about you know three three and a half weeks away from trade deadline. We are doing a trade deadline special in St. Cloud, uh, my alma mater. You're pumped to go back up, right? It's going to be a good time. You Beyond make... excited. Second time there, first time remembering. Here's yeah, the yeah. <laughs> second time there, first time remembering. It's a great way to put it. Uh, and it's going to be uh, you and me, uh, my brother Jeff, obviously the other co-host of the Purple Moose Podcast, uh, Mike Stafford, who's been on an episode or two before. So really kind of melding together a nice little group up there. I'm excited about that. But you know what? It's been a while. We've been working on a couple of podcasts that we haven't been able to actually publish. I was really interested in doing a wild card uh, kind of shout out this time and, and talk about some of the teams that are on the bubble, some of the teams that are in a position to maybe make some noise in the playoffs. But right now, sitting in that WC one or two, um, I want to go easy. Uh, Eastern Conference first off and talk about the Philadelphia Flyers. Sean, just give me a quick take on Philadelphia. What do you think is going on with them right now? I mean, the Flyers, as usual, are uh, are playing strong hockey. Uh, the strongest, maybe not. Um, you know, certainly they might be feeling it from, uh, from some of the guys, you know, they've moved on from and stuff like that. But I got to tell you, uh, it sounds to me like uh, like their goaltending numbers, if nothing else, are really uh, are really going to boost them. Yeah, and, and that's and that's a big thing to note is you look at the Philadelphia Flyers, and I'm really sorry. You know what we forgot to do? You know what we're we're going against decorum here. Uh-oh. What's the beer of the podcast? You brought the beer over. What is the beer of the podcast? So uh, tonight's beer of the podcast actually comes to us from Colorado. Yeah, uh, it is Dale's Pale Ale. Yeah. Uh, Featured alongside uh, mystery bourbon that apparently is uh, uh, an old-fashioned ball. Yeah, when yeah. That, it's kind of confusing because you, you know I poured this bourbon. It's good friend, uh, my friend Jimmy, who's in our fantasy football league. We all play fantasy football together. Uh, James Larson, shout out, just a beauty, great guy. I uh, got me a bottle of this rye bourbon uh, as a gift for commissioning the league and dealing with these assholes for the last five years, and uh, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't think too much of it. Obviously, I was really thankful for it, and I was you know happy to, to get a, a gift like that. But threw it in the decanter, and I was I poured it over uh, you know some ice for a buddy of mine. He goes, "What did you put in this? Like, did you mix me an old fashioned?" And I tried it. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is so sweet. It's so it is unbelievable. It's good. unreal." So I, I got to figure out, Jim. I got to get back to you. I got to figure out what this bottle is because I think it's a perfect party bottle of bourbon to bring anywhere. But oh, you know yeah. what? Glad to go off that. Sorry, let's jump back into Philadelphia Flyers. You mentioned goaltending. Goaltending has always been an issue. You look at this team, going back to Ron Hextall days, they haven't had a true elite number one since then. You know, you're talking about, you know, you know, 80s, 90s, like they haven't had anyone. And, and now, you know, folks, we're getting into the 2020s here in just a couple years. Like Philadelphia needs to figure it out. They spent a shit ton of money on Ilya Brzgolf a couple years ago, if you remember. Oh. That didn't pan out. They had a number one netminder in Sergei, Sergei uh, Bobrovsky, and they traded him away over to the Blue Jackets for like a third-round pick because, you know, they got uh, Brzgolf there, and Bobrovsky ends up winning two Vesna trophies. So it's like right. almost like you cannot believe their luck with goaltending, but this continually bites them in the butt. This is a roster that I think is deep on forward. Uh, the, uh, 
very young emerging blue line with guys like Provenoff. Uh, you look at uh, the Ghost Bear, Shane Gosses Bear. You got some nice pieces on the back end. Travis Sandheim's coming up, but man, goaltending seems to be the issue. Now, I'm going to throw it out there. You look at guys like, let's say, Carey Price, right? Right. You know, Henrik Lundqvist, guys who are, people will say unmovable, maybe not Lundqvist as opposed to Price, but these are the big ticket guys you know can put up the wins for you. Do you do you try to make a huge move, or do you try to draft and develop a goaltender? Uh, here's my thing, is I think that Philly has kind of been all over the board. You talk about Bob Barofsky. Stuff like that, uh, you know, certainly maybe uh, maybe was a less than favorable trade in my eyes. I think especially coming from a guy like Briz who completely underplayed for him, uh, didn't do them right, and uh, and they really needed someone to, to kind of big name come in there and, and turn it around. I, I think if I'm Philly at this point, I might want that big name in again. I might want to maybe draft a, a later round goalie and try and get that big name senior kind of title in there for me. Yeah, so you're not pushing up the young guy up there, putting right. him in the big man's so he's not ready. Goalies are incredibly hard to develop. You know, they take anywhere between I would say two to five years in most cases for you to develop a goalie before he's ready for true actual action. To me, if you have the cap space and you know it can make a difference, like look. Nowhere the Rangers are going to be excited about handing over a future Hall of Famer, you know, Henrik Lundqvist over, over to the, you know, their, one of their biggest rivals in the Flyers. But if you think about it, with how high Hank's cap hit is and for the number of years it's on, I mean, uh, what, at what point do you look at a roster like Phillies and it's young and emerging and they're going to start competing and you, now you need to start making moves? Like, you can't be perpetually rebuilding and, and building to the future because you got guys like uh, Wayne Simmons, you got guys like Claude Drew, Jake Voracek. These guys aren't getting younger by the day. They're not. I, I say make a move. Now, Carey Price, that might be out there, that might be a little bit too much, and they might have to give up way too much of the farm to do that, but. You know, Henrik Lundqvist or some of these guys that, you know, it's just like Mike Smith gets traded from Arizona to Calgary in this offseason. Everyone said, what a bad trade that was. And Mike Smith's playing unreal hockey. And it just shows you that sometimes these goaltenders are a product of their own environment. I you couldn't know? agree more with that. I think, too, to that end is, uh, is certainly the consideration of how much of your deep offensive line and really uh, kind of scoring defensive line are you willing to give up for a big vet name uh, or even, you know, a top draft pick for a new goalie, you know? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough year for Philly to make sure that they kind of are still firing on all cylinders come the 2018. Because you got to figure it out. Yeah. You, know? you really got to figure it out. Drew's not getting younger, although he's a great player. Sean Couture is a guy that they got in a trade, and he's been doing really well for them. But... Mm-hmm. They, they traded Braden Shen away because they got Nolan Patrick in the draft, and Braden Shen is blowing up with St. Louis, having one of his best years. Absolutely. Yep. But to me right now, there comes a time. It's almost like, you know, they always make that old adage that, like, it's time for the chicks to leave the nest. You know, it's, it's time for them to fly out on their own and become adults. It's time for this roster to become a Stanley Cup contender. You know, yep. you drafted and developed. You were crappy for a month of years. And there was years where they'd hit the playoffs and they get bounced immediately. Years where they weren't even close. They got lucky. They got Nolan Patrick. They've gotten a lot of nice pieces on that team. Hextall's got done a really good job of getting rid of some of the crap that, um, uh, what's his name, Paul Holmgren left before him. But yep. uh, I really look at this roster now is the time to make a move. Now is the time because you look at you know, and, I'm, and the one that's right ahead of them in the Metropolitan in the standings, and you know, you look at the New Jersey Devils. The one thing they have that the Flyers don't 
is they have an elite number one goaltender, and they were the worst team in the league last year, and yeah. uh, or not the worst. They were one of the worst teams in the league last year, but certainly in the division. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then yeah, and in, in the league, and then you look at all of a sudden how well Corey Schneider can play, and it's like, well, crap, that is a that is a problem we don't have to solve. Right. Corey Schneider's like 26, 27. He's got a good 10 years of hockey in him left yep. as an elite number one. Flyers need that. I don't want to go too much more into it. Let's go uh, a little bit down the peg a bit here and talk Absolutely. about the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, let's talk about Columbus. Sean, Columbus right now had that amazing year last year, right? Right. They go, they go into the playoffs with a yep. ton of steam, and they end up getting kind of gypped with the way that the playoff format was and had to play the Pens in the first round. You know, they, they, they were both so much further above what other teams were, but they just weren't at the top of the Metropolitan, got stuck playing the Pens, lost. The team this year, uh, the, obviously the big trade of, of trading away Saad, getting uh, Arden Panarin from the Chicago Blackhawks. Team's playing well, but they're not playing as consistent as they as they were. Your Atkinson, one of the guys that you like, yep. it, it isn't playing as, as well this year. Give me your take on Columbus. What's going on with Columbus? I, I think what Columbus kind of needs to do now is make sure that each and every opponent they're going against is they're playing their game. They're not stooping to that level. I think what Columbus is has kind of uh, suffered from in the past is that when you play the easier teams or the walkthrough teams, they're going to kind of slow down their game and you're going to pander to that level. And I think that consistently they need to make sure that they're playing their game in in these playoff scenarios as we talk closer to, you know, kind of time to make the cuts, stuff like that. I, I couldn't agree more. And what a great point that is. It, well articulated. You know, the way I look at it is, yeah, Columbus, the way they played last year is a lot like how Vegas is playing this year. Hard nose, fast hockey, constantly buzzing. Uh, they're making the big hits. The, you know, they're playing with a ton of energy. And you're right. They've kind of gotten away from that this year. You know, they started to kind of mold to what the other teams are playing. They're trying to play more matchups as opposed to just playing mm-hmm. their way. And it's not going as well. And, and you look at a guy like Cam Atkinson, who last year was was one of the elite wings in the league. You know, he yeah. was playing out of his mind. He had like 35-odd goals or something like that. He was playing great hockey. He's having a bad year. A little bit banged up, a little bit injured. Yep. I, I mean, they had a huge boost uh, from the Seth Jones trade, you know, a year, year and a half ago, where all of a sudden they get this guy who's a good puck moving guy. You know, still got Sergey Brodsky. They still got some nice talent on this team. This is a really good team. I think this is a team uh, that can do a lot. But right now, yeah, for me, I, I've been kind of thinking about possible trade scenarios. Maybe someone to bring on the team to kind of push him into the into the. Play. Do you have anyone in mind that you think would make sense, like? Uh, for the Blue Jackets right now, I think that, uh, that uh, you know, one name that comes to mind right away is Steve Nash. Uh, you want to talk about Yeah, Rick about Nash from the yeah. – Rick, Rick yeah. Nash, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, Nash. Sorry, there's as, basketball. There's basketball in the as background. We're Minnesota watching. versus Cleveland, yeah. As I, I would easily go to Steve Nash if I say it. But, but yeah, yeah, Rick Nash, yeah. I think Rick Nash is one of those names that comes to mind. Uh, certainly uh, in him, you're going to have a, a more veteran player who – who really can kind of command a force out there. And I think that in order for the Blue Jackets to kind of dig themselves out of maybe a, maybe a rut is a, a strong bit, yeah. word, but let's call it a rut slump, for yeah, now. Yeah, a little bit of a slump. Um, I think in order to continually play their game, they're going to need that that kind of more veteran force out there. Yeah, you're talking about a really big-bodied, high-scoring guy, has the pedigree, obviously was the first number one overall pick in 2002 of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was their franchise guy to the point to where Columbus was so bad for so long before they traded Rick Nash because you have a guy like Rick Nash on your team, you're never going to be the worst team in the league. He's that Correct. good. Yep. So then they trade him away, and I think Rick's career is really, again, this guy can score, he's good. Rick hasn't 
you know, I don't want to say lived up, but he's not the same pedigree as an Ilya Kovalchuk. He's not the same pedigree as like a Tyler Sagan or a Taylor Hall. Where, and, and he was for a couple years, you know, in the beginning where he was scoring goals and people thought he was going to be one of the best players in the league. And Sure. You know, he's, he's not that anymore, coupled with the fact that he almost has, you know, $7.8 million against the cap on a contract year. And, you know, it's not easy looking at him as, as a real value player on a, on a roster. And plus, to be honest, I don't want to talk about the Rangers today because I'm kind of sick about talking Rangers. Rangers suck in my eyes, and they're not a good team. They've been put <laughs> together very poorly. But, yeah, you know what? A reunion with Columbus actually make a lot of sense because if I'm Rick Nash and I'm looking at my next contract, I you know people might say I'm going to go for the money. I'm going for a place I could potentially win. And this roster in Columbus is built much better for Rick Nash than he ever had in his previous tenure with them. Right. I think Rick Nash comes back and, and, and yeah, maybe – Maybe you have to sweeten the pot. Maybe you have to part with a couple picks or prospects to get Rick Nash to come over in a contract year. But they're eating the salary. That's easy to fucking add him on. And uh, mm-hmm. and then maybe he resigns for a couple years. And Columbus, I think, would love to have him back. I think uh, Blue Jackets fans would love to have their number one overall pick, one of their franchise players, number 61, back on that roster. So that's a great point you make is, is, is getting a guy like Rick Nash, a nice big power forward, uh, to kind of complement what they used to have with Brandon Sod after he left. You the know? Sod father, right. Yeah, the Sod and father. I- I think uh, I think another interesting point to, to kind of bring up, and you know, we we've touched on age this podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rick Nash isn't getting any younger. Uh, yeah. He, now it's not to say that you know he's on any sort of downturn or anything like that, but I think that if you want to bring these big names in here, train these younger dudes, kind of set yourself up for uh, I think a, a solid 2019, 2018, 2019 season. You're going to want to bring the vets in here yeah. before trade deadline. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. You know, it's funny. He draws a lot of parallels to me to a former Columbus Blue Jacket, former uh, New York Ranger, and Marion Gabrick. Marion Gabrick, when he went from the Rangers to the Blue Jackets, it was kind of this massive swap of players. It was Nash got sent to the Rangers for a haul of players, and then Gabrick got sent to the Columbus for a haul of players. It was like this big matchup. But then when... Uh, Columbus wasn't playing well, and they traded him to the Kings, and the Kings went and won a Stanley Cup with Gabrick, and they gave him a long-term contract, which mm-hmm. right now isn't working out. To me, they're almost at similar parallels in their career. Like, Rick Nash isn't getting younger. He's not going to get better. Um, I think with how GMs are approaching their teams and not overspending on these guys, I don't look Rick Nash getting a seven-year contract in free agency. I look no. at Rick Nash getting an Eric Stahl contract. He's getting a, a three-year, you know, prove-it contract, prove your worth it. Like, yep. the, these long-term contracts aren't being doled out anymore. So if I'm Rick Nash, I'll go over to a team that's maybe playing the playoffs like Columbus. I'm going to play my ass off. I'll play my bag off, and I want to get that contract that gives me a, maybe a little bit more certainty from a team that is watching how well I'm gelling with their team. And I think that's his best bet. You know, if Rick Nash ends up staying, and I think he's gone for sure, he submitted his list of, of 18 teams he won't be traded to, so that gives him open option to trade to the other 12. He's gone for sure. It just depends on who. But for me, if I'm Rick Nash, I'm really looking at what is the best fit for me to kind of showcase that I can still play at an elite level with a playoff team, hopefully, to get my next contract. I agree with that. Uh, I think, too, to that end, uh, another kind of, uh, kind of player that comes to mind, certainly a younger one, uh, when you talk about, like, kind of big contracts not really getting doled out uh one of the players i think of right away is panarin um you know uh couldn't really get it worked out with the hawks 
kind of bounced around a couple of places. Now I think he's on a three-year contract, if I'm not no, mistaken. No, he's in his final year of his last two-year oh, contract. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, you're right, uh, especially with like the bigger names and stuff like that. Don't expect to see these big, you know, kind of finite contracts for yeah. like a whole career and stuff like that. I think a lot of these teams are approaching it differently, kind of like you said. Yeah, and, and you're right about that. You know, Panarin's Pan- a little bit different. You know, they signed a two-year deal with the Hawks. Uh, it was kind of a prove-it contract, and he ended up getting traded for Saad. Everyone thought this was going to be a bad situation for Columbus. They've, they've traditionally not been not done well with snipers, really. And he's not a defensive guy. He's putting up the points. He's, he's playing the minutes. He's proving that he's worth the contract. And with how bad of a year Saad is having, no offense, Saad, father, love you. <laughs> I think you're one of the best. I mean, you're one of the good ones. I think you're having a down year. I think next year's going to be your year. Hawks are not having a good year either, so don't blame it on you. But... Um, Panarin's walking into a really interesting situation because I think he could end up being, and I don't even, I, I want to say he's not UFA status because I keep seeing things that are saying, here's your top UFAs, and I don't think he's one of them. I still think he's under a weird RFA status on a two-year. Okay. But I almost think he should be a UFA because of his age. I'll have to figure that out. But so, or, uh, Panarin could be walking into a big contract, but you really have to wonder what you're getting because with Chicago, with a team with a bunch of Hall of Famers on it, like, they couldn't get past the first round of playoffs because that guy could score, and he was a lethal line mate for for Patrick Kane, but he didn't play defense. You know, he hey, he, he was a bit of a yin yang player, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, with the good, you took the bad. And defense was certainly not anything anyone was writing home about. I mean, uh, and, and how many? You know, you get a guy named Breadman getting coached by John Tortorella. Like, how does that? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's always it's it's always interesting to see him. And and you know what, Columbus is having some struggles right now. I think this is a perennial playoff team to take that next leap. I think they got to add a piece or two. I think they got to start you know parting with some of these prospects. And, and their prospect cupboard honestly is not that great right now because they've been playing a little bit well or a little bit more better, and they've been getting uh, selected a little bit later in the draft. But we'll see what's going to happen. Let's jump over uh, to the New York Islanders, a team uh, that's right below, tied with points with uh, uh, a game. Um, you know, it, it right. I think they've got a game in hand. Uh, no, they played a game more. That's it. So the New York Islanders right now sitting right there. Islanders roster, to me, it's really interesting this year. We're talking – I want to touch on John Tavares. I want. I knew you to, were going to. Yep, yeah, yep, we're yep. going to talk about John Tavares. One of my favorites. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because John Tavares' contract year, right? You get Belmont Park. That's their new stadium. It's right. 100% a go. Everyone's funded, paying. You're going to get a brand-new state-of-the-art arena. That's going to be on Long Island. So you got your wish. You're getting out of Brooklyn. Everything works out on that end. You're you getting did. a stable, nice Islanders arena. You're getting out of the Nets arena. You okay. get to play on your turf, and that yes. is important. That you're playing on Long important. Island. You're yeah, not playing yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. So that's a huge positive, right? right. Okay. Other positives. You get a guy like Matthew Barzell who comes in this league after being a, uh, a draft pick a couple years ago on that 15 draft, playing out of his mind. Matthew Barzell is on, on pace to have a 70-point rookie season, which is unreal. Uh, you know, almost unbelievable. Yep, uh, Truly fitting into that second C mold. You yes. know, Having two top centers now on that team is something that the Islanders haven't had. They have depth on the forward core. Like, it's unbelievable. They get a guy like Jordan Eberle in trade in the offseason. He's playing well for them. Uh, defense has been really banged up, which you can't blame them for. Guys like uh, Seidenberg, Boychuk, some of these guys have been injured long-term, and it's been really kind of hurting their chances. Goaltending continues to be an issue. i got to ask you, John Tavares, what's going to happen with him? I think uh, that concerning Tavares, the Islanders, in my eyes, 
um, have a lot of reasons to keep this guy around. Oh, I, every reason in the world, right? Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, Tavares really has an argument to be made to stay at, with the Islanders, right? Now, certainly if I'm old Johnny T, uh, you know, my interest might be elsewhere. Uh, you figure you're kind of always bridesmaid, never a bride on the Islanders. And that's really putting it mildly. And yeah, in the that's, last, that's a in the last couple of seasons, right? So You look at teams like the Lightning who, you know, right. you know, you could potentially jump on and try to make a run at the Cup. Or think of how much Montreal would pay for John Tavares to come over there. They'd probably pay the $12 million to get him for a seven-year contract and, and, and really pay him you know, out the ass. You're looking right. at an $84 million contract over seven years. Now, you, what do you think about? Even if, uh, if for example, the St. Louis Blues were to, I think the St. Louis like Blues that. would be 100 percent on top of that list too. They, you know, Paul Stasny is a UFA at the end of this year. Really never worked out. I almost kind of see Paul Stasny going back to the Colorado Avalanche, getting okay. a little bit reunion. Uh, Colorado's been playing a little bit better. They're on the playoff bubble too. Um, they're not there yet. I think a nice uh, veteran center might be good for them. And I think a reunion with Paul Stasny. He always plays best hockey with Colorado. I think he's going back there. He's UFA after this year. Yeah, St. Louis. The thing with St. Louis, and I don't want to be rude to St. Louis fans or, you know, Missouri. St. Louis's arena is generally considered one of the worst in the the NHL. Okay, sure. And I can't speak from experience. Never. I've always heard this, and I've always heard that you look at this, and it's like an old kind of decrepit arena. This was like, you know, second worst over to Joe Louis, but Joe Louis had the history of cup winning teams, whereas right, you know, it at least it, had it, some it, old it, school charm to yes, it. Yes, it had a charm where you watch champions come through it. You know, yeah. it, and, and it's not just an arena issue; it's the fact that the Blues to me are a team that have a lot of really nice pieces, but I don't think John Tavares is going to win a cup with the Blues because the Blues to me don't have the sauce to win a cup. And, and what I mean by that is you got a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko playing out of his mind, right? right? Alex Petrangelo is a great defenseman. Uh, Jake Allen, Carter Hutton duo is working really well. Mm-hmm. I just, man, it, it's like that team to me, it, it's like I won't I won't believe it until I see it, you know? Right. And I, I understand that, and I think that, uh, you know, you touched on Jake Allen, another stunning player. I think that they have all the right pieces, but I think what it comes down to is what you were talking about, the sauce. The real kind of X factor to make sure it all comes together, gets done, uh, you know. It's got to be a mix and a meld, and and you look at, you know, I don't know, I always just look at it and and I think about the St. Louis Blues is, you look at the last teams that have won the Stanley Cup. We've got four in the last, like, whatever, nine, ten years that have won it, and you've got Chicago won it, then Boston won it. Then L.A. won it, then Chicago won it, then L.A. won it, then Chicago won it, then Pittsburgh won it, then Pittsburgh won it, right? And you look at every single one of those teams, they have an elite set of players. Not only that, but I actually think you did name all of the teams for the last actual 11 years, Yeah. right? Because if I'm not mistaken, the Pens took it in 07, right? No, no. So Pens took it in 09. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yeah, so Pens took it in 09, Detroit in 08. Uh, Anaheim in seven, Carolina okay. in six. Yeah, that's what Okay, it is. so then we're not looking far off of, you know, you're yeah. talking five players or, or, or five teams. Four, right? four teams in the last nine years. That's what yeah. I have. Yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. yeah but, so, but, what, but, yeah. but what the difference is, Braden Shen's playing amazing, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to confuse Braden Shen with Jonathan Tate, Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron, or, you know, or Anze Kopitar. No right. one is. Right, right, right. Sound one center. John Tavares for sure. But if I'm John Tavares, what do I want to do? If I'm thinking John Tavares, 
I'm looking at how good this team could be. I know we talked about Philly needing a goaltender. New York desperately needs some elite goaltending. Couldn't agree more. You know, they picked Rick, D- Rick DiPietro back in like the 2000 draft, if I'm not mistaken. 99, no, it was 2000, number one overall, and they gave him this massive contract. He was injured. They're going to pay for it for like the next 15 years. I look at the Islanders at desperately needing an elite goaltender, much like Philly, and, and that's it's starting to become kind of a – you know, this is starting to become kind of a, a pattern here we're talking about. You yeah. Know, what separates the elite from not the anomaly, and, and it really is goaltending. So, uh, if I'm going to make my bet, I think, you know, Garcinol, not trading him at the deadline, going trying to make a run at the playoffs. Um, brand new arena, nice young pieces, good young pieces playing. Okay. My bet is John Tavares signs a massive long term contract to stay with the Islanders. I'm thinking somewhere. Eight years, eighty-eight million gives them eleven a year. Yeah, I think I, I think, like that. I th- I, th- I think too. You know, we had just touched on it before, and I'll bring it up again. I think some of those contracts are of yesteryear. But if I'm going to sign someone to a big contract it's like John that, Tavares. it's it's going to be John Tavares. Is, yeah. yeah, he's 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 running for the heart right now. Yep. Let's go. Uh, Let's go west of the border, my friend. Talk about a couple of wild card teams. Uh, we're going to talk about Minnesota and then the former Minnesota team, now the <laughs> Dallas Star. Yeah, so a, a little bit of a meld here. Uh, let's talk about Dallas right now. You know, big offseason acquisition. They got Ben Bischoff, Alexander Radulov, who's playing out of his freaking mind right Unbelievable. now. Unbelievable. He, he's ever since he came back to the league. He's been focused. He's been ready. He's been playing almost a point-per-game player. You couldn't ask more of Alexander Radulov, and he deserves his contract right now, getting a long-term contract. Couldn't agree more. He'd make more money in the KHL, but he's playing meaningful minutes in the NHL, and I'm so happy to see a guy with his talents come back and be successful in this league because you know he was one of the good ones when he was with Nashville, and not a good guy, but just a great young player. And it didn't work out. Came back like four years later. Didn't work out. Then all of a sudden he comes back, plays with Montreal, Blows it up with Montreal. All of a sudden gets a free agent contract, which I don't understand why Montreal never re-signed him, but goes to Dallas. He's blown it up with Ben and Sagan. Um, ben Bishop and Nett. What do you think of Dallas? I got to tell you, uh, I think you bring up names like Radulov and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I for some reason, I think Alex Radulov – uh, yeah, Alex Radulov. Yeah. Sorry, excuse me. Um, I always confuse him with Artemi Panarin. But, yeah. Uh, Alex Radulov, uh, I think, is one of those players that, in my mind, for some reason, doesn't age. He, to me, every time I watch him play, he goes out there with the explosiveness of, you know, the freshmen who come, their rookie yeah, the rookie year, yeah. Um, and he hasn't let up. Uh, I love, I love the player. I love the guy. I think he's surrounded with an elite staff to really yeah. make things happen. I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's a tough year for both Minnesotas in saying who's yeah. the better team, if you will. Sorry, yeah. Dallas, you're not going to get that love from me. Yeah, um, you know that's a good point you make. Uh, you, you talk about how him being, you know, kind of traversing time. Uh, the best the, sometimes when I think of uh, Alexander Radulov. I kind of think of him as like a poor man's Alexander Ovechkin, you know, like <laughs> not, get, not, yeah, sure. not near the talent level. And to be honest, you know, if you looked at where Ovechkin scores, mo- you know, a lot of his goals, it's high slot, you know, left side. I mean, it, to me, uh, or, that is his shot. That is his yeah. shot. He scores so many goals there and yeah. he is perfected to be able to, you know, he puts it, you know, he puts it on a fucking BB and gets it top corner Correct. to the side or whatever. Like he, he's, he's, he's made a lot of money doing that, but. Alexander Randolph, that hard-nosed, mean, you know, this is a kind of gritty, big Russian player who can snipe. I like the Dallas team right now. I think they're not playing up to their potential. You know, to me, 
I look at this roster as, as potentially going after a guy like Rick Nash again or going after okay. a guy like um, Evander Kane from Buffalo who's going to be on the on the wire. Like They sure. need another big power forward. They've got a little bit of cap space to play with. I think they're going to make a push for it because I think last year was a really uncrappily anatomy for Lindy Ruff. He ended up getting fired for it. Okay. Uh, they just had a bad year, but they didn't have good goaltending ever under the Jim Neal. Ben Bishop, great goaltender, uh, playing elite. Um Continues this, to do so. Yeah, this is this is a team I think could actually make some noise in the playoffs. I think this would be a team if I was, if I'm a team uh, at the top of the standings in the Western Conference, I don't want to play the Dallas Stars. And the truth is, is I don't think that has been a sentence someone has said really since the Madonna late <laughs> '90s yeah. all the way to into early 2000s. Right? Yeah, yeah. At which point they were an elite team, but. I think we're seeing them come back. I think last time they actually made the conference finals, I think was a year they played. Um, I want to say it was oh, it was the oh eight year when uh, you know Penguins, Detroit were actually in the finals, and it was Philly versus Pittsburgh in the conference finals, and Dallas versus Detroit in the conference finals. If I'm remembering correctly, sure. Two amazing series. That was one of Madonna's last years. Madonna always kind of soiled his career a little bit. I, one of the biggest fans of Mike Madonna in the world. Sure. I love Mike Madonna. Like, yep. I think no one has that silky hair. Like, God, he defines, like, man. That's Cabbage thing. Patch. All oh, the God. Cabbage Patch. So through. But I, I got to tell you, it's it's exciting to have them kind of be back on the radar, if you will. Uh, they made some shrewd moves, you know. Obviously, drafting Jamie Benn in the fifth round. Obviously, trading for Tyler Sagan. Trading for Jason Spezza. Trading for Ben Bishop. Getting eyes in Rala. Really built a, a, a nice core there. If, if I want to compare, you know, kind of cross sports here, they had the draft and player pickups that the Minnesota Timberwolves did in the NBA. Yeah. Just yeah. an unbelievable series of really talented guys coming their way. We yeah, love that kind of influx. Yeah, that's yeah. and it's fun to talk about the Timberwolves because finally they're making the moves that everyone wished they would have made, you know. It's right. Like, you know, and, and they get lucky. They get number one overall pick, and the last time you know they had one was Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was solely. I hope he was the number one pick. I thought he was. Um, but uh, Carl Anthony Towns playing so well. This isn't a basketball podcast, but I, no, I do. You know what? Not. We're watching the Wolves right now. They're playing well. Yep. Go Wolves! Always uh, appreciate them. Let's talk about uh, a team in St. Paul, Minnesota, not in <laughs> Minneapolis. The Minnesota Wild. <laughs> Minnesota Wild is playing well right now. You know, I mean, they're, they're sitting at that. I know they're sitting in the second wild card spot. I know Colorado and Anaheim are kind of nipping at their heels. Same with uh, LA. And LA's really fallen off in the last couple of weeks. But I'm telling you, Minnesota is starting to look really resilient. I know Jonas Brodin just went out today for two to four weeks. That's a big bummer for them. Got that's, surgery. Yeah, that's a loss. Uh, thoughts on Minnesota? Uh, I got to tell you, man, um, we always have the kind of younger players making some noise and stuff like that. And then we uh, we always have kind of some veterans on our squad. If we want to talk about some of the younger dudes, we have Niederreiter, we have Coyle kind of making a splash. As usual, they'll always kind of make some noise. But you want to go back to the 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 bread and butter of it. You got Nico Koivu. You got Eric Stahl, who is making some big noise here in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. You know, I, I got to tell you, I love watching Eric Stahl play. I think he's he's a hell of a pickup. I honestly wouldn't hate seeing another two-year contract from him. I would love to see something like that. In his yeah, future. it's a good point to bring up. Eric Stahl really rejuvenated by his, uh, his free agent signing with the Minnesota Wild. Kind of one of those, you know, not that big of a deal if he signed it, you know. 
you know, maybe they lose him to the expansion if he plays well. Eric Stahl clearly kind of like worn out his, you know, time and and, uh, Carolina wasn't playing as well. I, you know, sick of, you know, they won the cup. It was great. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, it was like honeymoon's over and they had probably about a good 10 years of being mediocre. They made a couple conference finals in between. So they had some playoff runs, but it was a lot of mediocrity. Uh, Eric Stahl clearly playing really well for Minnesota Wild. To me, the Minnesota Wild is... You know, if I'm going to sort of walk, I'm going to the deadline, I'm standing pat. This isn't a this isn't a championship team. People will argue and say their window is closing. I don't think their window is closing. I think they need to figure out the elephant in the room. What do you do with Zach Parisi? He's gonna he's gonna make seven point five million over the next like seven years. Like they need to figure out what they're doing with Zach Parisi. Suter continues to be like a wonder on the back end. He plays so many minutes, but this team is doling out heavy contracts to guys. And they've paid so much of their roster for the roster that's not playing their top minutes for them. You know, and so, that's, that's scary to me. I think it's an important point to bring up. Again, maybe perhaps in this case, the, the Minnesota Wild might be the example of kind of a team from yesteryear doling out too many big-name contracts to yeah. too many older guys. Um, perhaps maybe they could – you know, take a page at a Phillies book or, or, or kind of, you know, yeah. some of the teams in the East who, who really need to rebuild. Maybe it's time for the Minnesota Wild to maybe cut some of the ties, let yeah. some of the bigger names go, and hopefully trade up for younger draft spots, you know. Because Charlie Coyle, I don't think, maybe has played to the level that a lot of people have expected to. But again, yeah, he's, he's been, been, he's been, a, fighter, he's been yeah. well, and, and he's, he's definitely made a career. If that's your first round pick in, in the back uh, 25 through 30, Charlie Coyle played. You make a good point though. And really that point is you look at what Philly did with their roster. Now there's, there's some similarities. You got some top end talent, you know, in all three positions and, and you have some guys that are making sense, but you have a lot of albatross contracts. And that's really what I think is, is the most uh, deafening statement about the Minnesota Wild. You look at how much you're paying Zach Parisi. You look yeah. at how much you're paying Jonas Brodine, who who honestly has not been great this year. Uh, you you let go of Scandell, and that's fine. But Dumba has not been playing great right now. Yeah. Um, and, and the guys like Devin Dubnik, who you are paying, who is playing great. It's like cool, we have that. We don't have to worry about that. But remember, Devin Dubnik was like a 2006, if I'm not mistaken, first round draft pick out of Edmonton. And, uh, you know, what are we at right now? 18. So he's, he's right around that 30 mark. He's got a couple good years left, so you can build around that. But, you know, Minnesota, it really is going to come down to how can you maximize the efficiencies of your current roster and, and make way for the future because they've done a really good job drafting the last couple of years. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck, uh, Luke Coonan, uh, they traded away a guy in Alex Tuck over to Vegas with Eric Halla to not take Dumba and look how well both – Eric Halla is playing. Look how well uh, Alex Tuck is playing. And, and it's interesting. If you give the guys a minute, sometimes they can run away with it. It's really a, a, an, you know, an eye-opening moment for a lot of GMs to watch all these cast-offs you know, score 15, 20 to 30 goals in a season. I mean, these guys are playing great in Vegas. So Unbelievably. It, 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 yeah, it, it's really weird. And it's going to define what happens with Seattle and, and how they approach it. Because I think you're going to look at Seattle and they're going to say, you know what, you want this guy? Grab him. Go for it. I'm not paying you a first-round draft pick or a top prospect in a middling guy because I know what happened last time. So Minnesota is interesting. If I'm Minnesota, I'm staying pat the deadline. I know that's hard for Minnesota fans. I'm hoping we go in the playoffs. I'm hoping we can probably you know do something, maybe get to the second round. But right now, I'm reevaluating my team on a year-to-year basis and figuring out what is the best mix. And I think that that mix isn't making 
uh, deadline deals for picks like they did last year for Martin Hans, where they basically have a first, second, and a fourth that converted into a third. That's a lot of picks for a guy who did absolutely nothing for that team. They got bounced. Couldn't agree more. Yep. Uh, you you, you got to keep the picks. You know, you're, you're drafting well. Keep doing that. Figure out the type of talent you have in the offseason to go after, and let's start making adjustments from there. But Yep, and I, th- I think that uh, Minnesota Wild fans in the future need to be ready for kind of a down season in which you're training players to really get up there. I think the problem is, is that we have a lot of old talent that we've relied on so heavily, and again, you know, players like Miko Koivu, you bring up Zach Parisi, stuff like that. These guys really are getting to be veterans, obviously, Koivu more so and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, he's, 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 you know, he's a gray beard right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point being that I think Minnesota Wild fans need to prepare themselves for uh, maybe a couple of down years in which we start to bring in the young talent again and build up the elite yeah. hockey club that they have. And, you know, if you have to keep the guys like Sudan Parisi, that's fine. You might have to walk away from a Koivu in a couple of years. But yep. just look at the Philly format and what they've done and really an emphasis on kind of rebuilding on the fly the right way where you're not – you know, complete teardown. You're trying to remain competitive. You're trying to win games. You're trying to get in the playoffs. But you're making sound business decisions uh, in terms of a drafting and trading perspective. I think that's the biggest part. Is you have to start looking at, uh, you know, and Chuck Fletcher. It's not his fault too. His job is to try to win a cup. And if you think about a job interview, if you think about what a GM has to do, it's all right. I could get fired at any point in time, right? Literally inside of that hour. So, yep. so if it's if this is being it's my job, I'm going to mortgage the future sometimes because I'm looking after my own ass, and that's what they pay these guys to do to make the hard choices. Yep. But unfortunately, he hasn't had one deadline deal outside of, or and Devin Dubnik was not a deadline deal, but outside of maybe a brisk golf or Devin Dubnik that has really worked out for him. He's actually ended up really kind of hurting the team long-term. So he might end up getting on a chopping block this year if they don't make the playoffs or get bounced again in the first round because they might need a new voice. So um, I want to go to a team that's playing well right now. I'm doing this for you specifically because, you, you know, you're a huge fan. Washington Capitals, what's going on with Washington? Uh, I think when you look at Washington on the surface level, it's very easy to see exactly what's going right with them. Um you have two super strong forwards in Yevgeny Kuznetsov as well as uh, uh, Nick Backstrom. Yeah, in center. Yeah, they got centers. centers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But with also you got uh, Ovechkin too. There. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you you got strong wings, uh, defensemen. Kind of. Uh, you know, you want to talk about a retirement community of old defensemen. I mean, we got them, man. Yeah, uh, it's starting yeah, to get yeah. up there with Niskanen and Orpik and stuff uh, like Niskanen, that. Niskanen, right? you got Orpik, you got uh, John Carlson. Stuff Who's start, like that. John Carlson, you know, was like an 04 draft pick. He's I starting to get up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 06 you know. maybe, yeah. But, yeah, he's starting to get up there. Yeah. But I got to tell you, uh, none of these guys are showing their gray hairs. They're all playing their hearts Carlson's having one of his best years. He's having a career year. Yep. Uh, and, and, unfortunately, it's a contract year. Right. And, and certainly... Uh, um, you know, we kind of talked about the maybe the way of yesteryear with these long contracts, and I don't mind it, but uh, he's one of those guys I'd like to see after this year anyway, uh, Washington sign again. But more specifically, I'd like to talk about the fact that they really are playing their kind of one of more elite years. Now, it's easy to say that as a Cavs fan because literally probably since 2013 I've been saying, oh, no, this is our year, right? Yeah. So. So I think that uh, that everything I say about the Cavs probably comes with a grain of salt. <laughs> but but it, in my eyes, you know, again, it's going to be a year that we either throw away or win ourselves. I think we have no one to blame but ourselves if, I, you if know, we throw it away. 
and I would love to see them really make something out of it. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because a couple of things that really come to mind. First off, John Carlson. That's 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 the elephant in the room. And and if, <laughs> and if I'm the and if I'm the GM of the Washington Capitals, I'm saying whatever I can do to keep John Carlson long term, I'm doing it. I think he's an elite defenseman, homegrown defenseman. He really leads that blue line. He's he their quarterback. Love it. Um, secondly, this team is first in the Metropolitan. After losing uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, after losing Carl Alsner, after losing all these guys yep. and, and having a year where they were all in and then didn't work out. And, you know, if I'm Washington right now, I'm starting to kind of feel like I'm the, the San Jose Sharks of yesteryear. Where all of a sudden, you know, I'm starting to creep up on some of these old ages, but I'm starting to get a little bit more wily and a little bit ready for the playoff. And if I'm, you know, I'll be honest, if it's, if it's if, if I'm the Washington Capitals and I go in and have to play Philly or Columbus, I feel good. If I somehow go to the two seed and like for you know somehow God reason I have to play Pittsburgh, I actually oh. feel kind of confident this year because this isn't a year where they're depending on Washington to win it. This is a year where Pittsburgh is depending on trying to three peat. You know, it's like yeah. Pittsburgh. It, Pittsburgh going to the playoffs. It's all about them. It's not like, oh, yeah, well, they can bow out. It's like, how can we three-peat? How can we do it? The pressure's on them. The pressure's not on Washington to win it this year. They're going up against the – if they can somehow beat the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins, they look amazing for the rest of it. And I think it's an interesting year. But Washington, to me, the big – I think the resounding point is you got to somehow re-sign John Carlson. You let John Carlson walk after the Carl Osner walked in back-to-back years – that decor is, like you said, is it's full of gray beard. Apart. Yeah, it yep. is nightmare scenario. So, yep. Um, and I, I think to that end too, um, one thing to maybe keep in mind, and I don't want to say, you know, right now all hope is lost, but certainly there's an element of, well, wait, how much longer do we get to hold on to John Carlson to the rest of like that big decor? before all of a sudden they're not elite anymore, right? Yeah. And so I, I think, uh, again, kind of this always the bridesmaid thing comes into play where you start to worry about that. And as, as a Washington fan, you start to think to yourself, how do we how do we continue our success, you know, even without him maybe in coming years and things like I, that? I think so. the, the, the success ultimately comes up to the fact that they draft and develop so well. You know, that is, some, yep. that is, a, that is a trademark of Washington capital hockey. You get guys like Evgeny Kuznetsov in the back half of the first round, who was an all-world player, top ten player. You know, mm-hmm. you get guys like Nicholas Nicholas Backstrom, and obviously Ovi was the number one overall pick. But Carl, yep. Carlson was like a late first round pick; mm-hmm. he wasn't an early one. Right. Uh, you look at a guy like Ilya Samsonov, who's one of the best goaltenders in the world right now, playing, not playing in the NHL, and you already have Braden Holpe. And before you had Braden Holpe, you had Michael Nervis, you had uh, um, uh, Simeon Varlamov. Like they draft so well, and they do the right things. That, and if you talk about players who are still relevant and in the NHL, you talk about Neuvirth, you talk about Varlamov, you know. Yeah, Varlamov like is still an yeah. M one goaltender, you know. And uh, uh, Neuvirth, I think, is playing back up to someone. Yeah, he's playing back up to Brian Elliott in Philly, yeah. and he's not doing bad. He's not doing great though. He was, yeah. and, and and they've had other guys too who have been uh, who have played on uh, Washington who have been goaltending. But anyways. I don't want to go into more. I think we really covered the the wild card situation in the NHL. What a great podcast, I think, to kind of break off a you know, nice week. Hopefully people take a lot out of this or at least enjoy listening to this. Um, you know, before, you know, I always sign off uh, and I say, you know, thanks so much for listening. <laughs> Jeff signed me off. But, Sean, you're here to sign us off. So um, sure. I'll say, you know, if we got nothing else. Thanks so much for listening to the episode of the Purple Moose Podcast. As always, my name is Andrew. I'm very excited that uh, we were here and listening today. Sean, please sign us off.
couldn't be more excited to uh, be a part of this Faust. Uh, really look forward to uh, to everyone really getting to listen to this. And uh, for those kind of religious listeners, definitely take a look in the coming weeks. Uh, I think we're going to have a new look coming for you here soon. And so really, we're excited really to debut it. that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much and have a great night.